Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. Lauren, thank you so much. I'm so excited you're here. I have to say that whenever I decided to start a podcast, it was largely influenced by you and how fun it was to be on yours and how easy you make it look, which now I'm kind of pissed at you about because, oh my God, (laughs) having a podcast is so much work. Um, But I've been waiting and waiting for this episode, so I'm so excited to introduce you to everyone because you're like a weird, fun, awesome, cool genius that we don't always get that fun combination. How are you? Hi, <laughs> I'm great. That was <laughs> that is probably the hands down the best intro I've ever gotten. Had no idea I had so much influence on this, but I also like love your podcast. I love your podcast. Oh. So I it's like it's so nice to be on your podcast and also just I like talking with you. So this is like we're just hanging yeah. out. We're having a good time. <laughs> I know. I like totally I guess I maybe should have told you that before, but um, yeah, I just always was thinking, oh my gosh, when I launched my podcast and I get to have Lauren on, blah, 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 blah. So this feels like a really fun day because I knew that this would be a fun recording and not like pulling teeth. Not that anyone else is pulling teeth, but like I knew it would be an easy one. So I was actually looking forward wow. to it and like not as nervous as normal, you know? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes guesting, like it can be, it can be difficult if like you, you haven't already had good conversations with those people because it can feel like pulling teeth sometimes. So yes, yeah, I'm happy sure. that this will be a pretty effortless conversation. I know. We'll try to not like have it be three hours long because I know that we get into that a little bit, but we sure do. the nice thing is we've covered so much on your podcast. So we'll make sure mm-hmm. everyone has the link there. So it can be a fun little two-parter if they want to spend their whole morning with us. Um, okay. So let me introduce you the way that you should be introduced and not just in my chaotic, like unhinged fangirling. So Lauren <laughs> Loretto, is that my saying that right? I should have asked. It's Loretto, but like, be fancy. Lauren Loretto is the owner of Brand Good Time, a marketing agency and creative marketing consultant and is a creative marketing consultant. With over 10 years of industry experience, Lauren and her team help brands increase their revenue and share their voice through innovative and sustainable strategies. Why can't I read? Okay. Anyway, I think that sums it up pretty well, but why don't I know we're going to spend some time talking about your journey and who you are. So let's hear it from the horse's mouth. Tell me everything. How did you start in this industry? How did you get here? Tell us about your old business. That's really what I want to like give some insight on. Um, And then we'll get into all the juicy stuff about being a boss and having shitty bosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so I like to start this story, usually the rare occasions I tell it, with I never – so, okay, so I grew up in a household where my parents were, were in that traditional corporate ladder. And so when I always pictured, like, what does my future look like, which I started thinking about at the age of eight years old, I wish I was lying, um, but I've always been, like, really ambitious, always, like, I loved school. I was so weird. So I loved learning. I loved doing things. I loved like, I took lemonade stands to the next level like that. You know, I was just that I was out there. I was that kid. I was that weird kid. 
So when I pictured the corporate ladder, I pictured a ladder. And for myself, like I tried to map it out. I was like, what does that look like? You know, like entry level, mid-level, exec, CEO, whatever. I was like, I see the first rung. I see like I have to start somewhere, but I'm not seeing the middle. <laughs> and like I didn't understand yeah. why for so long. And and obviously um, now it's very clear. Like I jumped so fast. So I, I in in college, I had a lot of really strong internships that gave me a lot of foundation into like marketing and what I wanted to do with that. And as soon as I graduated, I got a job at, a, at an ad agency, like a world-renowned ad agency, working on some really big campaigns. And I just was in there and I was like, this is toxic. I don't like the way they treat clients. I don't like the types of clients they work with. And I have friends and clients asking me to help them with their social media and create logos, which by the way, neither of which we really do anymore. Um, I and my business have evolved in a different direction. But I was like, well, if people are asking for this, like I, I got an LLC like before I even graduated because in college people were asking the same thing. And so I was like, okay, well maybe I could start a business one day. Um, <laughs> so ambitious. And so when I was working at the agency, I got my first client and they're still, they're still a client to this day. They've evolved with us, which is so cool, but it really just grew and took off from there. And I, I think it also came down to control for me. I, I'm kind, I'm not I'm like a I'm kind of like a closet control freak. You may not know that like just by knowing me in general, but like if you're on my team or if you're married to me <laughs> or just a really really <laughs> close friend and we have to plan something together, like I like to be I've I've created some healthy boundaries around it now so we're good, but like I I am very much a control freak. So it bothered me like no other to be like to be told what to do. I did not want to be told what to do, how to do it, where to do it, why. Like I wanted to do things on my own terms and like corporate culture, at least back when I was in corporation, corporate, corporate culture, life, whatever, didn't agree with that. Um, so I was also just severely rubbed the wrong way by, you know, the lack of effort for my own performance reviews and growth. And so I think it just quickly pushed me out of corporate and into like, figuring out what the heck I was doing, which was the birth of my first business, um, which was LBMG Marketing. <laughs> we don't have to talk about how that name landed there, but we can talk about how people always got it wrong. And I was people always like, is it LGBTQ marketing, LBG, FJ, KY marketing? <laughs> like <laughs> people wouldn't make fun of me because I'm like, guys, listen, I, in the moment, I had a hard time coming up with a name. Don't judge me. Um, yeah. So, I mean, get started there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and it was great for a while until it wasn't and and that's because I started to grow a team while I was still in the thick of like learning about marketing myself and so I had this like massive imposter syndrome and what came with that was uh not really like honing in on the brand message not really being confident in our brand in general because it had changed so much over time from like its infancy to you know where it was when I sold it and so you know the long and short of that like selling I there, it was messy like all of it was messy we had a lot of processes and we were definitely very organized but it wasn't a desirable business to be bought um, it was just the height of the pandemic and a client we were working with was like hey your business fits our business model we were managing their social at the time like, why don't you, do you want to like come join our team as like a founder 
and bring your book of business. So that's what that's what I mean by like selling that business. It was my my business was acquired essentially. So without having to, without giving away too many details, I don't even know what I can talk about anymore. But mm-hmm. so at, long story short, mm-hmm. that business folded and I kind of saw that coming. And so that's actually when I started developing Brand Good Time. I hired a couple of friends who had started a like a together branding and messaging agency. And I was like, hey, guys, I don't know what's going to happen with this job. They don't want me to work on any other business, but I have a feeling. Like, I'm just like, I'm not feeling great about this. But I knew it was time to close that door. So I started Brand Good Time. They, we came up with the name. Branding went in full force. And that was September 2020. So we're now January 2023. And even Brand Good Time has evolved so much since then. But it's just been it's been a wild journey. <laughs> I started all of this in 2015. And I just, it's crazy. It's crazy to think back at all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love what you said about how when you started your other business, how you were still learning marketing. And so when you brought on a team into that, it was like fractured because you're having to learn to be a leader and a manager and all the backend business stuff. And also you're, we're all still learning our jobs as, as entrepreneurs every day. If we're not, then we're probably not doing it right. So um, I feel like there had to have been a moment where you were, when you were building brand good time and in your current team journey, where you were like, yeah, I have some space to like jump into the team stuff and learn that part of things. Was there a moment where you were like, I feel like I'm pretty good on the marketing side and now I can stretch and push myself in other areas or was there a time or what led to that decision? Yeah. Resentment. Resentment is what led to that decision. And I'll like, you know, what's funny is anything in my life that like resentment and and like resisting something has come up. It's always for, it's so weird. I always am able to connect it to like a moment of growth to like, okay, you're resisting this. Why are we resisting this? It's probably because, and I hate to say it this way, but like you're above that now. And that was how I tied that to like, okay, like it's time. It's time to like either not do that thing any, like, well, it's time, there is no either. It's time to not do that thing anymore. And does not doing that thing anymore look like losing an entire revenue stream because that's what someone pays you to do? Or does it look like building a business around that and staffing accordingly? So yeah, I'm actually in the messy middle of that right now. Like I, I have a great team, but I'm still kind of in the trenches of some implementation and it's partially trust, partially I need to build a a resource library so they can be self-sufficient and trust them a little bit better to run with that. But that's ultimately I was like, okay, I know so much and I'm meant for other things right now, which for Brand Good Time is working a little bit more in operations and growth and allowing my team to carry out the strategies that we build for our clients. It's so interesting that you say that because I think we both are on opposite sides of this. And you mentioned like, I meant for more and working in the operation side. And when I think to myself, I meant for more, I need to start letting go of some of this control. I'm thinking I want to get my hands dirty in the marketing side of things. So it's so funny how like, I think that really exemplifies what we want this message to be in entrepreneurship is that not one person's thing is better or higher than another. It's just how we approach it. And 
what us as an individual mm-hmm. entrepreneur, like where we put that value. So like for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, like meant for more, you're doing the thing that I think is the more, you know, and you're like, oh, I got to get into the operations and the team side. And that's what I'm like, I got to get away from that. Like I can teach other people to help my clients with that now. So I just, I wanted to, I mean, I didn't really think of that before this, but just given the unique place that we both are in our business, I think it's really funny to to have that be part of the discussion, especially because you also brought up my other favorite topic, which is control. <laughs> so when I know we've talked a little bit offline about about our path and our understanding of ourselves and needing to be in control and wanting to be in control and what does that mean and what does that look like? And I know you've even talked a little bit about it in regards to motherhood, but what are, you know, I think it relates to many entrepreneurs. Like we all kind of end up in a situation where we're like, I want to have control over this narrative and what it feels like to be at work and what it feels like to work for me. So can you talk a little bit more about your experience with that? Yeah. And I will say like, I think it's very normal and entre- there's so many like common threads when it comes to entrepreneurs and like having control is one of them. I mean, we, we start our business for a reason, whether it's because you want financial freedom or you want location freedom or, you know, all those like cliche things that we all talk about. You start it right. for a reason. Um, so and that reason at the end of the day is, is usually something pertaining to control. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> What I immediately think of here, which is kind of funny to me, is I'm finally in a place in my business with my team where they're carrying things through from like a meeting I didn't go to with the client to like, then I see it live somewhere. And I'm like, I didn't do any of that. I didn't have any say in creative direction. I didn't design it. I didn't approve it. Like my whole, my whole team just handled that. And so that's been a point of like contention with myself lately is like, Lauren, like, it's okay. Like, they're doing a good job. They're, the client is happy. It's like allowing them to just, to just trusting them. And even, even if, let's just say, even if I did see something and like would have changed something, at the end of the day, the client's happy with what they got. So, you know, and the client's getting, and it gets them the results that they are looking for. So, you know, it's the control bit in terms of like, if we're going to talk about where I am and like in the process of scaling a business and not just being like a solopreneur is, knowing and acknowledging that your team are like their own people too. I guess like if you're a mom too, it's the same thing. Like you can give them the resources and you can share your values. And hopefully as a business, like you share those values with your team, but they should be able to act independently. Like a good leader, what I'm learning, <laughs> what I'm learning every day is a good leader. Like you can't hold their hand. I Okay. Wait, I have a really good analogy for this. And I, and I think I take this back from literally high school. I was editor-in-chief of my yearbook, and I was in that yearbook class with that same teacher for three years. Senior year, I was editor-in-chief. I remember my first year was sophomore year in yearbook, and I was like, I was in charge of design the whole yearbook. And so the my teacher, the yearbook teacher, I was, I was struggling with like how to lay something out in, in design, which was the tool we were using. And he came over, and he I'm like, can you just help me? And he sits down, and he do, 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 like put something together and it looks absolutely beautiful. And then he erases it. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm not going to paint your flamingo. And that was like, that's this like analogy I've carried through with my team is like, you know, if you're struggling, I will show you, I will give you inspiration. I will guide you, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it all for you because then, then you're thinking like me and I want you to think independently, like for yourself. And that's only good for their growth and their career trajectory, which we could talk about career trajectory and how we all know 
Like I don't ever act like my team's going to stay with me forever, although I hope it. But like at the end of the day, I want them to look back and be like, Lauren was amazing and she was a great boss and she taught me so much. Yeah. And I remember on your podcast, we talked about that too and how you were mentoring someone and um, forgive me if I'm not like 100% accurate on this story, but you were like, I'm basically training my competition. But then we talked about how it kind of just ups the ante and like ups the the value of your services when you are helping develop other people that are kind of running their own ship too. Like there, it really is like the rising tide lifts all boats when it comes to creatives and taking on mentees and stuff like that. She's still on my team. So like, you know, she's still here and she's still a key player on my team. She edits my podcast. So she heard all that, <laughs> but <laughs> she's, um, yeah, I mean, and I've done so much for that girl too. And like, and, and I mean that, and I don't mean that in a way of like, I've done so much for her. Like I, I really have. And she's, I just also know like, she's a, she's a really good person and she's going, she's going to run with it and she's going to do great things. And I will not probably not be a part of those things one day. I hope she does better than me. Like I really do faster. Like if I could just help her do that, like, I don't know. I don't know. It just feels really good. <laughs> yeah. That's like the most rewarding part. I, I think mm-hmm. there's a moment when after I think I think it's hard to help people understand the power that they have when they're hiring a team at first. But after you manage people for a little while and you start to get those messages that come in from people that maybe you don't even really remember. Like I've managed so many people that like sometimes I got an email like a few years after somebody left and they were like changing their career path because of some conversation we had that I didn't remember and thanking me and thinking about, you know, whatever I did. But I also get those messages from the people that are like, F you, like you're the worst boss I ever had. And I'm telling my whole YouTube channel about it because you fired me for having COVID. And I'm like, dude, you got fired in September of 2018. Like what kind of miracle is this? And also where's your YouTube? Like I can't find it. <laughs> like, So it's like, we, wow. we kind of, we, that's like such a good example of like, I think everyone thinks when they start a team, it's the second situation. You know, it's the guy that's blowing up your email years later, still thinking about you about weird nonsense because they just didn't come to work 10 days in a row. Like, it's like, come on, I I have nothing to do with that. Um, But it still hurts. Mm -hmm. Like it makes, it gives you a, if you're not able to have a feeling about that, that message, then like you've lost your humanity as a leader. But also over time, I think we've both had this, awesome feeling of being rewarded and having an impact on people. And it can be really hard to try to like tell people like, trust me, keep going with your team. Like this is going to feel really good because you're showing up for them as a leader and you're changing their lives. And they're going to look back on this experience in a really positive way and probably pay it forward and be a really good leader to other people. And hopefully other women or other people of color or people that don't always have the access to a compassionate leader, the way that we can give to them. And so I think it's really cool that you've been able to see those results. We don't always get that. We get a lot of like, you know, this bad thing happened or that bad thing happened. And I love talking about that. We can jump right into that. But the good stuff is so valuable. Um, have you had bosses in the past that have been really impactful to you that you think about a lot or think about things that they've said? Or, you know, especially when you say ad agency, I'm like, oh, my God, it's like Emily in Paris. <laughs> Um, it's not like the agency itself was gorgeous and pretty and like, yes, but, um, it was so toxic and, you know, I want to talk very candidly about this because my old boss is actually a good friend of mine now, but let me tell you, I hated her, hated 
it felt like Mean Girls. I felt like, you know, and I actually never really. I think we did talk about it. She's like, I never hated you, Lauren. I just, she's like, I was just going through things of my own. But if I had to like, and let's just say like, I'm going to use my intuition and try and guess. And this is not to toot my own horn. But like, I think she knew that I could be her. Not anytime soon, but like, like my career trajectory was clear if I wanted it to be within that agency. And um, I don't know if that intimidated her or I, I don't know. But I also just, again, going back to like, I didn't like being told what to do. And at the same time, like, I wanted to bring ideas to the table. And every time I did, I felt like they were like, why are you talking? So I got that, like, a couple of times with her. And, again, we joke about it now. And, like, we're good friends. We're good, good friends now. Like, I go get margaritas with her often. <laughs> you know, like, we're, we talk a lot. And she has her own business now. And, like, she picks my brain. And it's, like, weird full circle moment. But um, I, I don't know. That agency experience was uncomfortable. I was ready to leave at the time I left it felt like I was just getting paid to learn a lot is is how it felt and it was like you know you were scoffed at if like don't you dare ever leave at 5 p.m on the dot or a minute earlier like you got to stay till 505 507 like you need to stay past the time you like there were times when we had to come in early we had to go talk to the ceo one time for a mistake that was made we all like basically all 30 of us on the team were held accountable for it and we just like it just i don't know like the whole environment was just it was not this like nurturing mentorship growth like i said i never had a performance review i think i i know i had one and it was like i just felt shamed the entire time like you're not good enough you need to do more of this so it just taught me a lot of what I what I wouldn't want to do. At the same time, it taught me a lot of like who I don't want to work with because the clients in an agency world can really drive the culture of a company. I don't know if you've experienced that or know what I'm talking about, but like it really can. It really can. And that's why like I don't want to ever scale to this massive agency with 500 employees because again, like you have so much on the plate, like so so much at stake. That's what I meant to say. We have so much at stake when you're employing all these people. You lose one big account, you lose half your agency, and you know you don't see what do you do. You don't want to lose that account. You please them to all ends, and then you're overworking your employees, and there's just no like boundaries. I don't know. I have not seen an agency done right. <laughs> I have not heard from any friends about an agency like a big time agency that's been done right, and um, that's why I'm not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there has been a huge shift in the way that employee, what employees expect from their employers. And so I think over the last couple of years, even we've seen that those business models that kind of were built to exploit people are now competing for employees with people like us, that they get to do really similar work, but they get to be seen and they get to be heard and they get to have their their company protect them. And um, I think I've said this in like five episodes already, but one in three women get sexually harassed at work and most of them don't report it. So if we can just even create a space where somebody is like, oh, I have a safe place to go where I know Lauren is going to protect me and I still get to do this thing that I love to do, then it's really doing a lot of good in the world. But I think a lot of those, what when we would call them like big agency models or um, big businesses or whatever you want to call them are not 
they just don't have the same appeal that they used to. I think we've seen like a huge transition in what people want to get from their jobs and what small businesses can provide, um, especially in the online space when we don't have to worry about those brick and mortar costs and we can funnel that right to our team. It makes a huge difference in the culture. Um, I love how you're friends with your boss that you hated. That's like never happened to me. That's like definitely a first. How did that happen? Like, did you, when you stopped working there, did you just kind of like reconnect or like, how did that even come up? Because I feel like whenever that happened with me before, I was like, wow, you're a psycho and I'm never speaking to you again. And I block them on everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think she followed me on Instagram and then I think she replied to a story. Like I did not reach out to her. I was like, nope, I want nothing to do with you. I talked I mean, my husband now, he's like, when I started being friends with her again, he's like, really? Sarah, of all people? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we're going to go to dinner. <laughs> she, like, came to my baby shower. Like, I'm telling you, this girl, she came to my engagement party. Like, she's she's been a part of everything. Um, yeah. Yeah, she reached out to me on Instagram. I think I posted something about my business. And she's like, hey, can we, like, co-work together one day? Or, like, I want to learn more about, like, what you're doing. And I was like really <laughs> you think that much of me um and yeah like she's just i don't know people outside of work can be different she wasn't that much older than me or she's not like in reality she's not that much older than me she just had more seniority because she'd been at the agency for much longer like she got her career like jump-started there so um yeah i mean we connected that way and you know when we finally reconnected like she no longer worked for that agency sees she'd moved to new york city she was working in new york city at a different agency there she's still like bops around she's like super high up in an agency right now which is so like so incredible i mean i don't know if you get there that's that's great more power to you but yeah that's kind of like how we became friends again but I don't know. Like at the same time, like I talk, I talk crap about that agency all the time. And people, when I tell people where I've worked, they're like, "Oh, there," and I'm like, "Yeah, oh, I heard it, they churn and burn people." It was still hands down. Like I take pride in the fact that I worked there because, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how deep you want to talk about this, but like I lied about all my experience to even get a foot in the door there because I knew that I wanted to learn the ins and outs of an agency to like start my own. Like it was scheming, but it was so cool like at the, this was at the time when vine was a big deal and we had like vine stars coming in and like king bach and i can't remember the girl he was also friends with but you know we had like big names come in and tour the agency i got to work in this room that was like this fishbowl basically of the agency it was all glass and like you're at workbenches. it was a social media acquisition room we had paneled tvs up in front of us with live tweeting and then the news and like we were on the pulse of everything and it was just it was so cool. I knew about things before, like, anyone else knew about things. We got to, like, meet with Facebook and Snapchat and LinkedIn. Like, it was so cool. I mean, talk about, like, social media marketing and advertising, like, right there at the forefront. Like, agency life is it. But, you know, again, on the flip side, it was training. It was 60 hours a week. It was take your laptop everywhere you go. Like, at one point, I took my laptop to go fishing because I was worried that I was going to get called on to do something. <laughs> and that's kind of where, like... Like my toxic, I think my toxic relationship with work in general started. Like you must always be on, your hours are billable. And yeah, again, there's the roller coaster of explanation of my life there. But again, it was so cool. It was so cool, <laughs> but also terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds like there, we, 
I feel like we learn to be better bosses by having, we're kind of like the laboratory of our, um, like our own experience. Like, what am I going to go do to put myself in these weird situations to then hopefully have other people not have to do it <laughs> or mm-hmm. make it better or tweak it or adjust it. And only entrepreneurs think like that. And I love that you've acknowledged that you've always been that way since you were a kid that we're going to go in and figure out what all this looks like. So then we can turn it around and make it into something one step ahead and one step better. And I think probably a lot of our audience is relating to that because as entrepreneurs, that's what we do, you know? And um, one of the things that you mentioned that kind of like sparked a little bit for me was not, I mean, first of all, the fishing thing, what? Um, But (laughs) the, (laughs) the, the piece about like loving it and being like kind of starstruck by it and like, living in this environment and you know how those things kind of go hand in hand with the toxicity like there are still there are plenty of people out there that are looking for an environment that feels like that and they don't consider it to be toxic for them or you know whatever the case may be and like whatever that looks like to them like that's the kind of work that they want like that's the kind of chaos they look for you know in their job and things like that but i think that's one of the reasons that it's so cool that you took your previous experience and then your own business that was acquired and then created brand good time, which has such a clear and direct message. Like everything, not only is it fucking adorable, but it's also just like so on, everything is so on brand. Everything is so intentional from your newsletter to your, the stickers that you send out to your client gifts, to your podcast, to like, even how you show up in your personality for your brand. Like, I just want to like commend you for that. I think that's what we're all shooting for in this world. And you have like done it so intentionally and it's really, really cool to see. How's that translated over to building your team? Like, how has that really solid understanding of your brand and your voice and who you are as a leader translated over to who you're picking for your team. Yeah. So if this is a way for you to promote yourself, like you could congrats you on it because my answer, <laughs> my answer it wasn't, was, but... <laughs> um, I think I got a little bit of, I don't know, not analysis paralysis, but I got a little like, I had like an oh shit moment when I listened to a podcast of you and Jordan about building a team. And right then and there, I was like, I can't keep hiring contractors. I have to hire employees. And then obviously you talked a lot about culture and like hiring the right people. And I was like, I don't want to sift through 500 applications. I want to sift through 10 who people who were intentional and took the time to answer the questions, but also like talk about like who they are and make sure they're aligning with my values because I feel like that's where I've gone wrong in the past is like hiring people that just don't work out because the values aren't there. They have their own business, for example. And like, you know, to be an employee with, with us right now, like this has to be your main gig. Like we're, we're scaling, we're scaling fast. And so like, that's what we need. So, you know, you were a massive influence on that and making sure that I honed in on who I wanted to be working with us. I spent more time than I really ever wanted to on interviews and, um, <laughs> you know, like doing pro and con charts and losing sleep over like, am I making the right decision? And, you know, I we had like a recent fall off from a contractor and it's it wasn't our fault. It wasn't his fault. It just like life. But I would say the, the last three hires we've made in the last six months have been like been a hell yes and they've been like the gut check of like yes this is the right person and they have innovated so much in our business and I really attribute 
their their fit on the team and like their trajectory of their growth and what they've done what they've been able to do in just such a short amount of time to being very intentional about the hiring process and very intentional about what we were looking for and that messaging i mean i know you reviewed my job description i was very much like here's what we are and here's what we need you to be and you know i know that spoke to a lot of people also one of our interview or one of the questions on the application was like what are you obsessed with outside of work and I put that on there because, you know, this is brand good time and work is not always a good time. So you need to you need to have other hobbies. And like I have 12 other hobbies outside of work somehow. I don't know how I'm so busy, but <laughs> but that's important to, to me. That's important to the team. And and, you know, having a good time is not just tied to work and our identities can't just be tied to work. And so I wanted to make sure that our hires emulated that. Yeah. Well, you did it. I mean, I've seen this kind of develop over the last few months and you've have you have some amazing people on your team and you've made some tough decisions and I remember just being like, "Hey, how's it going?" and you literally just being like, "Absolutely terrible." <laughs> like, I cannot like what am I do getting my, you know, and I think that to tr to not like, you know, say messy in the middle 40 times today in honor of Haley. Um <laughs> <laughs> there is a messy middle that comes with hiring. And I just think one of the coolest things that I've heard from you is how you have taken such radical accountability into your role in building your team. And if you are a person listening to this and you haven't had those moments of, oh my effing God, what am I doing? Like, this is so hard. F having a team, like sell it, you know, what, get it rid of it, get it off my plate, like screw this. Then you're probably not putting in the necessary work because these mm -hmm. are human people. And like, it's very interesting to hear business owners stress and get exhausted by and keep themselves up at night and work themselves to the bone about an improvement on their offer. But they're not doing that same level of internal work when it comes to bringing in a human living, breathing organism to help them with their goals. And you were such a, it was such a fun journey to kind of watch from the outside and just be like, oh, she was so mad two weeks ago. But now like there's her new person being introduced, being brought into the circle, like seeing all the Instagram stories and just like following along and hearing how well it's going. Like that's a real tribute to like you busted your ass. Like you might make shit look easy, but like you busted your ass to get to the place where you kind of set that foundation. So good freaking job, Lauren. I didn't mean for this to be anything to do with me, but I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things here. Like, you know, you just reminded me that I did struggle. It took about two or three months to find the right person. And this was such a niche job. I mean, full transparency, it was part-time hourly. Like most people are looking for full-time you know, or, or they've got something going. And so it's just like the turnover might be a little bit higher initially, or if you don't have that trajectory to full-time, like you're going to lose interest. So like there was that. But also I think now like having the team, the success of the team, like is terrifying to me sometimes because I'm like, these people rely on me, number one. And number two, I think I carry a lot of guilt or like not guilt, but I do. I don't know why. I don't know. I have this, it's like mom guilt. I have mom guilt for my team because I just want the best for them. And so I'm always like, are you guys good? Like, do you need anything from me? Or, you know, I, I'm always sending like, I send like feedback surveys every 90 days now. <laughs> I'm like, please tell me, how are we doing? Are you proud to work here? Like, I need to know. 
Um, and I want them to believe in the company and believe in the trajectory. And also part of this is from stems from like, I have other friends who have agencies that are way more successful than mine. And I'm constantly like asking them and I'm learning from them. And I'm like, you know, like they've made mistakes, but they share those mistakes with me. And then I'm able to not make that same mistake. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's you, it's my own research. It's the, it's being surrounded by other entrepreneurs. It's talking to people, it's hiring the right people to help you to, to get there. And it's, you know, it's, it's just weird. Like I went from investing in like coaching to now investing in like my team. And, and then on top of investing in my team, investing in myself and for like my leadership potential and trajectory. And, and now my next thing, I mean, talk about scaling and selling is like, I have some weird goals for the next five years of my life. And Baranga Time's not my only business. And I don't really talk about that a lot, but I have other things going on. And so, you know, like I love Baranga Time. It'll always be my baby. But if I want to do things that I want to do in my life, like five years from now, things need to look very different. And so now we're doing some big picture planning for like, where's brand good time going? Do I bring on a partner? Do I sell? Like we're really mapping all of that out right now. And um, I never thought about that in my first business. I was like, why would you ever sell a business? I didn't understand that. Why would you ever step away from something that's yours? How would that even work? Does, is there even um, like a profit? Is there anything, is there any such thing as profit in agency world? And again, these are all things I had to go through myself and like seek out the right people to help to get the answers to. But, you know, that's the other thing is like your business may not serve you in the capacity that you think forever. So like, what does that look like? And what's your exit strategy? Like, I never thought I would need one or thought I thought that I'd want one, but I'm planning for it now. And like, everyone should, you really should. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we work with tons of lawyers because they want to send all their people to us for the people stuff because lawyers do not like HR at all. I mean, we like hold hands and like go on dates and stuff, but like we never like, you know, go all the way. Um, but <laughs> there, a lot of the attorneys that we talk to are very much in the same, they, they really think big picture and they want their, people to have everything established and set up so that they can have a succession plan or their business has a uh, legacy or there are next steps for it. And oftentimes there is a moment where you realize that it's not actually about the team of people, but it's about the structure of the team that contributes to those long-term goals. And as working in operations and small business for so long, like I've always seen that clearly, but I love hearing entrepreneurs that are in our space that have a digital environment that serve tons of different types of clients and stuff like that, thinking about that because every business is becoming an online business. Mm -hmm. So like, even if you were to call it a brick and mortar with very few, there are very few businesses out there that can't be online. We hear this on TikTok with people talking about remote work and how, why do I have to go in if it's remote and blah, blah, blah. You know, I could do everything remotely, blah, 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 blah. And this whole culture shift. And so it's really cool to see how you're able to kind of like get ahead of it, because I think in a couple of years, we're going to see a lot of other business owners that are in our space, in the online business space, in the remote team space that are doing exactly what you're doing. You're just a little ahead of the curve. Um, it's sort Ooh. of weird. They're meshing. Everything's kind of meshing, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird to hear that you think I might be ahead of the curve because sometimes I feel so behind sometimes I'm like oh man I could have done that that sounds cool but I don't know at the same time like you can't think like that like you really have to just make a plan for yourself and do what you're doing and innovate where you can I don't know 
I don't know, being an entrepreneur, sometimes I'm just like, what the f- am I doing? What am I doing? Why? <laughs> why am I taking? So I actually talked to my therapist about that like two weeks ago. I was like, what what am I do- I'm I'm involved in way too much. Like maybe I'll peel this off my plate. And she's like, Lauren, if you peel that off your plate, you are going to I know you, you're going to replace that with something else. Keep doing what you're doing till you don't want to do it anymore and find something else you want to do. But like that's just that's my personality type. I can't sit still. I always have to have my hands in something. Like I think my husband in a perfect world would want me to be a stay-at-home mom and like I would not be a good person. I'd be a terrible mother if all I was was a mother. Um, so, you know, I work 25 hours a week and my kid goes to daycare for like 30 hours a week and I take some time for myself. You know, like it's not all, it's not like I have weeks where I work 40 hours. I have weeks where I work 20 and, and things get done. But, you know, it's all about what you consider balance. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the things that we always assume, or at least in this, stage like a couple steps back from you like just getting started with the team stuff is like well my whole identity was I'll just use you as an example focused on marketing and understanding it and it's always changing and we might tell ourselves these stories about like why that will always be the case because marketing changes all the time and we have to stay abreast of things and blah 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 but the reality is if once you've been in business for a while like things are just kind of full circle and we just get mm-hmm. better at understanding things in a much shorter period of time um because of the perspective that we have with the different experience we have so then you naturally as a business owner and as an entrepreneur you want to take on that next thing like you mentioned and then that maybe becomes building a team and understanding the structure of your company and how you can leverage your team to make more money or have more growth or have more time or whatever that looks like. And then we kind of figure that out, but we don't stop learning about marketing when we move on to learning about how to build a team. And then we move on to the next thing and you're like, how am I going to scale this? How am I going to, you know, whatever, or maybe another business or whatever, but we don't stop learning how to manage our team or stop learning about marketing just because we've opened up a new avenue for exploration or innovation or, you know, whatever is like driving us in that direction. And I think that that's where sometimes people get a little stuck because they're like, all I think about is my team. Is this my personality now? This isn't what I signed up for. And it's it's just like anything else. Like being a leader is a skill that you get better and better at over time. And like, it's, yes, it's taking on a big responsibility and setting that foundation will make it easier for you for sure. But you, it's adding, you're at, you're expanding your bubble. Like you're adding to yourself. You're not leaving parts of yourself behind. And I don't know if this happens with you, but I'm always like, oh my, like when you mentioned earlier about your um, team, like developing, you know, I'm just going to assume it's like a website or something. And then you go look at it and you're like, wow, I didn't even know that happened. Like, and then I have that too with my clients where I'm like, they have this whole HR strategy, their handbook, everything built out. And I'm Kylie, my assistant's like, absolutely kicked ass at putting it together. And she's like, can run this business on her own. And she knows every law in every state and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, what is my worth? <laughs> you <Yes>. know? Like, I'm <laughs> like, like, am but I you're... even worth it? Like, oh, you know, like you just, it, it messes with your head. And it's like, no, this is what you've been working towards. This is what you've been trying to do. Yeah. There's this weird, like, again, like going back to like imposter syndrome, I guess, of like, how can I sell my services and how can I be of value to my clients if I'm not the one that they're talking to? And like, it's this weird place to be in, but you, you know, this is, this ties into like raising your prices and stuff like that over time. Like those things are going to happen. Your time becomes more valuable. Like you learn more, you're, be, you, you're more comfortable. Like three, two years ago, getting on this podcast, I would have been pooping my pants. 
and I would have been like, I don't know what to talk about, you know, but it's like you, you learn, you grow, you gain experiences. And that's why, like, that's why you can, again, like raise your prices over time or just, you, you know what to do better. So it's, it becomes quicker to you. Just like what you were saying, that was such a light bulb moment for me. I'm like, wow, she said that so nicely, but yeah, I mean, and that's, and that's why like you end up moving in as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you move into different places of your business. And I don't know. I think half the time it's figuring out where you like to be. Like I've decided over time, like I'm still learning about marketing. I'm still growing. I still know all these things. I can come up with ideas on the fly. Like I was never able to do before, but I really love to sit in marketing and I love to sit in operations and I love to let my team manage the team, manage the clients, manage the projects. So, and I don't think it'll be like that forever. I hope one day, like maybe I'm just focused on PR or maybe I'm just looking at big picture strategy of the business. And it's scary to think about that, but it's also not that far off for us, <laughs> which is, it all started to happen really fast. Like to put this in perspective, I was pretty much a one man show last June. And last June I woke up and said, if I ever want to take maternity leave ever again, if I want to have more babies, I cannot be the only person running this business. And I was like, we're doing this. We're scaling. Our clients want more. They need more. Let's do this. So that was seven months ago. And now we have three employees, a team of contractors, and we're like still hiring. So, (laughs) you know, it can happen really quickly. We just have had a book of business who were asking for it for time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love when you mentioned, this is why I, why my business means so much to me is as we grow as people, I feel like our businesses and our entrepreneurship journey is a place to explore different types of creativity and interests and still have it like have a real value and like have a real meaning and have something to play with. Like, I feel like there's, if I were to not have my business anymore, it wouldn't be because I'm like so sad about money or whatever. I have a full-time job. I'm a COO for a multi-million dollar company. I only work there one day a week and primarily on business development, which like, I think we've talked about a little bit. Um, but my main job is managing a team of managers and directors. And I do it one day a week and I make sure they do their jobs and get it all done. And it's really fun to come home and think about, okay, like where can I learn more about business and this thing that I'm passionate about and be creative within my business? So if I lost that because my business wasn't working anymore, then, or if I had to let it go or whatever the case may be, like it wouldn't be because of the money that I'd be sad. It'd be because of the passion that I have for this topic and how to help people and make a difference and have a purpose and have those values. And I think that's one thing that we don't talk about that much. Like it's like our business serves us more than just money and like money is important. And I never want to discount that, especially for our employees. And I usually talk about the employee experience a lot, but like as a a business owner, like sometimes our business serves us for more than that and learning how that can change over time. Like I don't get myself worth, and this may be a conversation with a therapist. I'm not going to just like put it all out there, but of course I am. My self-worth doesn't come from me being able to put together somebody's handbook for a multi-state team. Like my self-worth comes from my ability to be a good person and to provide a space for people and to hit my goals and to expand on my creativity and like show up for my partner and show up for my family. And like those things can tie together, but I feel like, especially in this conversation, I've just noticed that there is a theme in that 
let's like be real about entrepreneurship for like five minutes and just say that like it's all fucking hard as hell and yeah. there's all these different things pulling us in different directions but each thing gets easier over time and we can't stop like it's part of our blood <laughs> so like we just have to figure out how we're gonna keep feeding the beast <laughs> without getting bored or not having a space to be creative yeah yeah oh my gosh like right now we're finally at a place where yesterday i was twiddling my thumbs for 30 minutes because i was like I have like marketing and ops projects to do, but like no one needs me for client stuff. This is weird. So yeah, I don't, it's, it's a constant struggle. I wake up every day. I probably use chunks of time for things. I should be doing other things for other things. And that's its own struggle and battle. And you always have your ideas and you, like, I, I am not the type of entrepreneur who can actually set the boundary of taking time off. Like I need the silence of nights and weekends away from like my team and my clients to get some of those operational items done I don't know maybe I just gotta like figure out better how to work my do not disturb but <laughs> I just yeah I'm like one of those people who cruises every single day with entrepreneurship and that's its own mm-hmm. struggle and battle within itself but you know still out here still doing things still love it I mean every single day I wake up and I'm like do I still love this and some sometimes sometimes I'm like I don't know <laughs> and other times I'm like <laughs> Yes, I do. And I have like, I was beaming. Oh my God, Kira. I had um, Haley actually came into town last week with Lakes, um, uh, one of my team members, and they stayed at our Airbnb, like my husband and I's Airbnb up, you know, not far from here. And every single day I was driving there to go co-work with them, I was beaming. I was like, this is it. This is, I've made it. This is it. I'm working with my team. This is just the best. And yeah, I mean, moments like that remind me like, okay, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I would not survive another day in corporate America. We're good and we're doing good work. Our clients are happy. Like it's just, you know, and there's always going to be ups and downs. You're always going to have a problem client or a problem situation or a fire to put out. But I don't know. It's also just so equally rewarding. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I wish we could end on that, but I do have to ask you one more question. Okay. So, (laughs) um, so when we were, um, I have downloaded all of your stuff, everything I'm on your newsletter. We're going to share all that in the show notes. You must be on it. It is so fun. So entertaining. And so just like beautifully executed. Um, but kind of going back to what you were saying, like yesterday, you had this moment where you were twiddling your thumbs and then you just told me that the freebie that I downloaded three days ago, you just had to update two days ago. So I know that that is a really solid example of how twiddling your thumbs is actually just adding so much value to your business just in a different way. And that's such Mm -hmm. a good example of it. Um, But let's talk about that freebie because that is really the differentiator in your business from a lot of other marketing businesses that I talk to or that I work with or that are our clients or peers or friends or in our network or whatever. And that is about how data driven you teach people to create their marketing strategies. So can we talk about that just a teeny tiny bit? Um, I mean, I feel like this conversation again could go on forever, but I do want to make sure people understand that they have this free resource at their fingertips. So can we talk a little bit about, about what we're seeing in that part of marketing and the data side of things? Yeah. So, I mean, what she's talking about is a spreadsheet. You should absolutely download it. I'm working on coming out with a loom video for it for anyone who's downloaded it in the past. So you'll get that, but it is so simple. It is so simple. And I'm all, I'm here to make marketing simple. But it is just tracking your metrics across various platforms 
plus sales. So at the end of the day, like looking at every single platform, how it performed every single month down to like very specific metrics and then measuring that up against sales. And really what looking at data and insights does for your business and just the difference between the two data, like the numbers insights is like, when you look at that data, I really like to teach people to think for yourselves on that data. What is that data telling you? You had let's just call it 100 visits to your website this month. And it says the source of that is referral traffic. And then you dig into that. And I see it's because you posted our podcast to your website and it drove a lot of traffic because it was time bound. And so being able to see like where traffic was coming from and where those trends come from, that really helps you. It informs so much more than what to post next. It informs what it tells you, like what your clients or what your audience is interested in learning about, which can inform what type of services you offer and where you where you invest your time and money when you're growing your business. I mean, marketing is marketing drives so much. It drives sales, it drives operations, it drives finances, it drives everything. So I'm really big on, you know, teaching our clients, showing and teaching our clients how to pull data and how to look at it and analyze it and again spit out those insights and tracking it is step number one. So the metrics mothership is what I call it, is sales and metrics mothership. It just, it's a dashboard. It's got every platform possible on it. And it has what, what we have found and everything we do are the most important metrics to look at over time. So assessing those, we like to assess monthly. I'm such a nerd. Sometimes I can't wait. So like I check my Google analytics once a week. I want to know like where are people looking on their site, on my site, what's driving traffic from anything that we might be optimizing for Google. So yeah, it's, um, <laughs> we're, we're kind of nerds over here, like highly creative, but we do excel very well at like looking at the data and then helping you form plans around that. So the metrics mothership is the best place to start. <laughs> Oh my God, you're such a genius. Um, I can't wait to share this with everyone. I know that it's so fun to see. I think the reason that I love HR is because it touches every part of your business. So I have a hard time sometimes articulating like what it means to work with a company like ours. And I think part of it is just figuring out how to have a metrics mothership for the impact of HR on businesses, because this, like, we have to understand marketing a little bit in order to help you find your marketing person. Like we have to understand operations to help you understand how you're going to get your margins where they need to be. If you're hiring, we have to understand this just the same way that your mothership is, <laughs> I'm only calling it that from now on, um, helping people understand more about where their business is and where they're spending their time and where they're putting their money and their investments. And, like, it's so crazy. I found out last year how much of my audience was coming from podcast guesting. And then I made a $20,000 investment on getting a PR plan put together for a podcast tour this year. And that is by far and away the biggest investment I've ever made in my business. By far and away the big, like I took that basically right out of any salary I'm paying myself, wow. but it made a huge, it makes huge impacts on if you know where your your data is coming from or know where your numbers are coming from and being able to look at that data, you make huge decisions based on that. And I don't see that a lot in conversations with people that are working in marketing in the online space. And I don't know if it's because it's all going on on the back end and we're not seeing much of it, but even when we're hiring for marketing directors and things like that, there isn't as much of a 
emphasis on that data that I would think there would be considering that's where I, I have more of a traditional background. Like I have a marketing meeting every month. We look at the reports for our ads and on Google and on Instagram, and we make decisions based on our campaigns from there. And it's an hour a month and it makes it, drives the business forward. So it's really interesting that we don't have that conversation here that often. Do you, when you're working with your clients, are you noticing those mistakes or are they coming to you? Cause they're like, I see this mistake and I need it. I need help with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, part of our client experience is data. I mean, every single, every other Friday and then one big Friday a month or one big day a month, we do that top down look at metrics and like say, okay, this went really well. So we should lean more into XYZ or invest in XYZ. So if they come to us and don't and haven't been tracking data before, um, they are very quickly onboarded onto that. But then we also have clients who like get it and they get the mothership and they're like, wow, it's really nice to have a place to track it all in one place. And they modify it, edit it to their own. And I go in and look at it and I'm like, I mean, this looks great, but like you're tracking way, way more than you really need to. But also at the same time, like, thank you because you're giving me good metrics for case studies. But yeah, I mean, like one client, for example, like she was trying to go ham on Instagram reels and her audience was so niche and like the algorithm on Instagram was not getting her the exposure she needed. She flopped over to TikTok, flopped, flipped over to TikTok and <laughs> went from 25 followers to 3,500 followers with, by the way, there's only a pool of like 10,000 people in the United States of her audience. And she has 3,500 of them now on TikTok. And like, she's popped off on TikTok and she's filled out her her client base from that. So it's like really, you know, if she hadn't looked at those numbers or given something else a shot or if we hadn't done that together, she would have never like popped over there and and done so well. So yeah, I mean, we're just really big on like there are options, there are, there's more than one way to skin a cat and you got to be tracking all of that. Yeah. And you know all of this because you work with so many different types of businesses. So give us your, I call it the desperation minute. I stole it from another podcast, but give us your pitch. How can people work with you? Who do you work with? Like, give us the whole spiel because I know after this, people are not only going to want to just know you, but also, uh, hello, help me with my data so I can <laughs> corner the market by 35% of the available customers out there, please, without much, as much work. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we don't, we don't have a specific industry. We work with brands who just really want to play an active role in their visibility. They, they want to be a part of that and they want to understand it. So that's kind of like criteria. Number one criteria. Number two is typically, you know, like we, what we do is so intensive. We over deliver like it's nobody's problem. So <laughs> we really work with six plus figure brands who, you know, have budget and have the means to like really push strategy along. Um, and, and everything we do, like I said, is top down. We're going to look at your funnel, your marketing funnel, and everyone, everyone knows what that means. And if you don't know what that means, it's just a way to get people to start to be aware of you so that you can nurture them and eventually close them into the sale. And so we really help you develop that and then push that through with action items and some, some like tangible, tangible things to, to push you along. So we do that through strategy. We'll do, we can do an audit, really help you figure out where you should be putting more of your time and effort. We also build websites and we have like buckets of hours that you can use to, you know, complete some of the marketing strategy we put together for you because, you know, sometimes it can, sometimes people on your team or you yourself may not have the resources to complete some things to push your business along so we can really step in and help you get that done. <laughs> Awesome. And we'll share your Instagram and your website and all the mothership 
so affectionately called. Um, and I want to share a link to your newsletter as well. So you don't have to go yes. ahead and I love it when podcasts are like, this is how it's spelled. P-A-R. Like it's like it's oh like, dude, we're obviously in a car or like cleaning our kitchen. Like I'm not writing this yes. down. So we'll include all those links um and anything else that that you think might be helpful to our audience. But other than that, it was so awesome to have you. I know we could go on and on and on and on and on. But if you want more of me and Lauren chatting about very important and impactful things, then go listen to her episode of her podcast, which is She's Busy AF. And we will link that as well. Yay. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Kira. It's been a blast. If you're listening to this, you've stuck with me for this entire episode. And for that, I say thank you. I hope you found as much value in this week's topic as I do. If so, be sure to follow, rate, and review on the Up and Up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too. Follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of On the Up and Up.